This is the Endurance Church Podcast with Pastor Anthony Bass. At Endurance Church, our goal is to live well and finish strong by becoming faithful disciples of Christ. We do this through loving, disciplined, Bible-based teaching, encouragement, and care. For more information about our ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. And now, today's message. We used to start off our first services when we were about uh, seven deep in service. <laughs> we used to be about seven deep in the service, and we used to play music the entire service. Remember that? A long time ago. Uh, but nevertheless, um, we've kind of made some strides, but it's always good to go back and remember where you came from. Uh, so today, Adam is not going anywhere. And if you go to sleep, it's okay, because we have light. We'll turn it on. <laughs> and we'll peep you out. It's all right. <laughs> We're going to call anybody out. This is a great service today. But you know, I'm not a, a particularly a, a fan of Halloween per se, but this is the, the most scariest sermon you'll ever hear from me. I'll be, I'm being honest. This is a scary one. So prepare your hearts and minds for what's about to come from the throne of God into your hearts. Amen. Amen. So we're going over this topic, the Father's heart. And just so you know, something's wrong with our projectors because really this is the color of the PowerPoint. Just so you know, this is what it looks like. So up there, it's not red. I don't know what's happening, um, but nevertheless, that represents the heart. And God's Father's heart is something that we have to really wrestle with. In our culture, we haven't been, in a sense, privy to being exposed to great dads. Now, I'm not saying you aren't a great dad. I'm just trying to say when we turn on the TV, we haven't seen dads depicted as these great awesome heroes i mean you can't really count maybe maybe on your hand you count the number of good dads you saw on tv but there are not a lot of them 
And because of that, it's helped kind of tr- contribute to our, our scorn for the Father. See, ultimately, God says, don't call anyone Father. Do you know why he says that? Because he's the Father. You know, we're just, in a sense, stewards. Even though I'm a dad, I'm a parent, I'm a male, I have kids, and I'm responsible for those kids as the head of the household. But nevertheless, they have one Father. For instance, I'm, I'm a pastor. The Bible says don't call anyone reverend. You know why? Because there's only one real pastor, reverend, leader of the church. And it's, it's not me, it's him. He has that title alone. So sometimes in our culture, we get that confused. There are a lot of different denominations and religious practices within Christianity itself that actually use that term, phraseology, reverend, the good reverend doctor. And some of the denominations call the pastor the father. But biblically, we're we're supposed to leave that title for for the Father alone. So when we say Father, we know who it is we're talking about. Why is that so important? Because ultimately, you have to understand we're in his house. If you're his kids, if you're a member of, of God's kingdom, you are under God's house. And as a member of his house, you have a responsibility. As you saw, we were trying to wrangle our kids and get them ready for worship and get them quiet and, and not try to get them fussing and arguing and yelling and screaming. Ah! Right? That's, that's normal for us, right? <laughs> that actually was good behavior today, so I'm, I'm proud that things went so well they did this morning. The, the kids' teachers, you know, that's right, right? I mean, they were really on their best behavior right now because once they go in there, they just lose their minds. But that's, that's, that's kids. That's us. We, we sometimes lose our minds trying to do what God says. It's hard, isn't it? Surrendering your will to a God you can't see, a God you can't hear. He's trying to tell you what to do. Who does he think he is? God? Yes. He's trying to get control of our hearts, of our lives. And we, sometimes in arrogance and bravado, we don't want to surrender what we think is ours rightfully to him. We live in a culture today where we teach people to be independent. Lord forbid any of you all went to Montessori school, right? And you were taught ultimately to be independent, right? Think for yourself, free thinker. But the problem is when you come into God's kingdom, you have to set that mentality aside and say, okay, God, not my will, but your will be done. You got to learn how to trust him. He's the only one that knows the future. We say this early and often. God's not stuck in time. He's not here with us right now. He he transcends time. Time, we know, is something that's not constant. Didn't you watch the movie Interstellar? No, maybe not. Maybe you read Einstein's theory of relativity, right? Time is not constant. It's something that was created in one day. Time, matter, space, all that stuff will be washed away. The Bible says by fire, so I'll say burnt away. And there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And at that point, eternity starts. Well, it doesn't really start, right? Because it's always been. But we'll realize that we are in eternity where time isn't a factor anymore. And we have a responsibility here while time is a factor to live well and finish strong for Jesus Christ. That's why we talk about the spiritual disciplines, not because we're trying to make you feel bad or trying to hurt your feelings. We're not even trying to provoke you. We're trying to get you to massage your will, to exercise your will to such a point that when God says, come here, you come. When God says, sit down, you sit. When God says, love them, you love them. When God says, turn the other cheek, you turn. 
But God says, go to Africa. You go. God says, go to North Minneapolis. You say, okay, Lord. When God says, who will go? You say, send me. Like God is trying to get us to surrender our will to his. You may not be able to tell, but I have now gray hair in my beard and my hair, right? That gray hair is rebellious. It doesn't listen to the rest of the hair on my face and on my head. So I have now sent out task force to fight against those hairs. I pick them out now, right? I fight against them. Now, I'm not going to dye my hair. I'm going to let it get gray. Now, I've once heard that if you pull out one, three more come back. I don't know if that's true, but I'm just trying to say something's going on around there because that gray is coming quick. But the gray just won't listen. I wake up, I put castor oil in my hair on my skin. I've learned that works for me up here for this weather. Like, I'm just lathering. Like, I'm shining because of the castor oil, right? <laughs> I'm just being real, right? But the gray fights against the castor oil. The gray has a will of its own. There's a biblical example of it, a parable. It's called the wheat and the tear. Anybody remember that parable? In that parable, Jesus is trying to make a contrast between wheat and tear. And what's interesting about these two is this, is that they look almost exactly the same. You can't tell them apart. If we were driving up to north, um, somewhere in the North Shores, and we happened to see a field and there were wheat and tear, we would know the difference of the two, except when the wind blows. And do you know why that is? Because wheat bends with the wind. Tears do not. Are you able to bow your will to the will of the Father? He has a, a plan for your life. You've been given great abilities, talents, aptitude, competencies. You have networks. You have relationships. You may be on your job about to be promoted. Good job. You have great schooling. You have all these great things working for you. Or maybe, man, I've had a hard life. Things are going wrong. I've gone through trauma, stress. No one's really been on my side. You may have been through that too. Regardless if things are going well or bad, you have to have a heart that's willing to surrender to his heart. There'll be people in heaven who have gone through such trauma but have made it there because they're willing to say, not my will, but your will be done. There have been people who have great lives and they end up in heaven, not because they were such great people, because they did the one logical, same thing any human being could do. Surrender your will to the will of God. This is just not charades and games. This is how God designed it. We come here Sunday after Sunday, preaching God's word, hopefully penetrating your heart. And it's hard, I know, there's a lot of pain back there. Sometimes we respond with a coping mechanism every time pain comes just to feel better. But we realize that that pleasure doesn't necessarily eliminate the pain because it comes back. But God has a plan for your life. That plan is for you to surrender to his will. That's the safest place you could be in his will. Next slide, please. The book of Matthew, chapter 7, is an interesting chapter. We're coming toward the end of the Sermon on the Mount. 
Jesus is now on the mountaintop about to conclude his sermon. He's talked to them about the Beatitudes and all these different topics regarding the kingdom of heaven. He's trying to show everybody the kingdom of heaven is now here. And this is what one who is in the kingdom, this is what they act like. This is how they respond to God. This is the ones who get a well done, a Beatitude. Good job from God. Blessed are you. Good job. Well done. But as he comes toward the end here, chapter 7, something really interesting pops up. Like I said, this is one of the scariest chapters of all time. This is maybe like a horror movie, right? This is a new age horror because we're playing good, sweet music, but the scariest sermon of all time is like right behind me. That's weird. It's like a clown, right? That's a clown. You know, they say they mess with your mind with a clown. I ain't going there. I'm just trying to say that's what he do. But today, this is the sermon that turned a lot of people into pastors. This is, the, this is the, the scripture that turned a lot of people into evangelists. Chapter 7, Jesus is about to conclude. He has just talked to them about false prophets and how to discern who a false prophet is. Because Jesus said in the last days, there's going to be a lot of those people, false prophets. But these people are speaking stuff that seemingly is coming to pass. They're doing stuff just like the rest of the prophets. But he says, you know how you tell a real prophet from fake one? The fruit how they act their works that's how you discern a false prophet from a real one now after this what's even more interesting he goes on to say after chapter after verses 21 through 23 24 you start talking about the wise person and the foolish person he says the foolish person who builds his house on on sand but the wise person is the person who builds his house on a rock and he says the wise person is the one who hears my words and does what does them and the foolish person the person who hears my words and does them not because he says storms are going to come storms will come to us all but the one who is wise who built his house on the rock his life will stand but between those two between this sandwich is the is the meat and this is the one we want to look at today Verse 21, this is Jesus talking. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. That right there for years freaked me out. Think about it. I went through YouTube and just I just typed in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23. You'll hear all types of sermons on this. But if you don't remember the context, both the one above, the one under, the one before and the one after, all of them are showing fruit, actions, deeds. See, we here in the Durham Church, we say faith isn't just an intellectual ascent. It's trusting God. And because you trust him, it leads to action. The Bible says that demons believe and tremble. So just believing in God isn't necessarily faith that leads to salvation, but biblical faith, or what the Bible calls the Shema. It means hearing and doing. That's the Hebrew word, shema. In, in Hebrew, there's no distinction between hearing and doing. The evidence that you hear God is the fact that you do what he says. That's how Hebrew works. But see, we're in English and our words work differently. Because we say, hear, hear. You say, oh, it's coming in my ear. But that doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to do what I hear. So we see here in verse 21, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. (laughs) 
Hey, that wasn't even like cool right there. That wasn't even smooth at all, man. <laughs> Lord, Lord, we'll enter the kingdom of heaven. But, that but is a contrast. In verse 21, where's the clicker thing? Anybody know where the clicker is? But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Understand, this is the most important thing for you to understand. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but, which is a contrast, the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. (laughs) Who is the one who entered the kingdom of heaven? The one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. That's the one. Now, I'm not teaching the faith from works here. I'm teaching what the scriptures say clearly. Why is that important you hear that? Because listen to this. It says in 22, on that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, do it now. Prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name. Do you know why that's important to hear, important to understand, important to comprehend? Because these people here are at the throne room of heaven. They think they're getting in. They're calling Jesus Lord. They're just not calling him Lord. They're calling him Lord, Lord. You know, you saved in your mind when you say Lord, Lord. They're just not saying Lord. They're calling him Lord, Lord. Lord, Lord. Lord, Lord. Did we not prophesy your name? See, they're doing all this stuff in his name for the cause. But you know what they're not doing? The will. A lot of us can say, we could do, man, I'm going to do this for Jesus. I'm going to do this for the cause. I'm going to do all this for his name. But are you doing his will? Jesus says, go to Africa. You say, okay, I'm going to go to Seattle. I'm still going. Jesus says, give up that second, that third house. Give it away. You're like, okay, I'll, I'll run out my bedroom. Jesus says, go to Endurance Church. Oh, I'll go to the church in Brooklyn Park, but not Endurance. I'm just trying to I'm not trying to say God's saying that to you. I'm just trying to say as an example, that's what he could be saying. But you have to understand, these people are saying, well, I'm not going to do exactly what you want, but I'll kind of do what you want. As they say, like, grenades and horseshoes, there's some analogy sample about grenades and horseshoe, almost, kind of. But that, that's not here. God has a will for your life. He goes on to say in 23, all these people have done all these great things in his name. And he says, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. I didn't know you. What always trips me out about this sermon is this. It says, it says this, many, the majority on that day, the majority, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, in contrast to few. Now, John chapter 6 talks about what's the will of God. That's to believe in the one who assists Jesus Christ. 
But when you trust him, he'll do what he asks. We just look for fruit. What's the fruit of your faith? I also, back in the day, they had this email chain that went around. They said, if you were convicted in court of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Lord, Lord. I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Lawlessness. Isn't that interesting? When we're saved, God's law is no longer external. It's in our hearts. And as now you have the Holy Spirit in you, you have a responsibility, an obligation to, to yield your will to His. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. He goes on to say here, the one who built his house on the rock is the one who hears all these things I said and does them. Do you trust Jesus Christ? Do you love him? Are you yielding your life to his? Can someone get the kids? At this part of the service, we're going to transition from the from the ministry of the word to the ministry of the elements. This is what we call communion. During this time, we remember Jesus' sacrifice. Um, had the good pleasure earlier this year of going to Israel with a couple of people from the church. <laughs> and I had a great time going there. And there were a lot of other people who were there as well. It was crowded. There were people there who were doing things. I was like, what is that? That is not Christianity. There were people doing stuff there. I was like, what is happening? That... But you know, they were all there for one reason. Because they were there honoring Jesus Christ's sacrifice. I remember going to Gethsemane. Looking at that garden and the olive trees. Just being amazed at what I was witnessing. That Jesus actually walked here. And I was trying to find some footsteps. I'm like, wait a minute. Maybe I could find Jesus' footprint. Nevertheless, I did not find it. I remember going to Golgotha, the place of the skull. And I remember there were two places. They didn't know which one was the place where Jesus was actually sacrificed. We went to each. And one we couldn't even get into, but the other was like the garden one, the garden tomb. And we were able to see a spot that potentially Jesus was resurrected at. We went, we went into this room. It was small and dark, and potentially that's where Jesus was resurrected. That's where all of our new lives started at. I say that to say this, like, we're not just making this up. This is all real. There's a man in heaven whose name is Jesus Christ, and he's coming back soon. And that's our hope. That's how we're encouraged. That's how you take heart. This has been a presentation of Endurance Church. For more about the ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash endurancechurch and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash endurancechurch.tv. Remember to live well and finish strong. I give you all my heart.
on my